Good morning. morning. Good morning, everyone, for listening. This is Joni Holm. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner at the Avera Medical Group Brookings. And we have Dr. Rick Holm and Dr. Johnston, as mentioned. We're happy that you're listening and hope that you will call us with questions at 692-1430. Hello, Dr. Johnston and Dr. Holm. Hello. Oh, it's so good to be here this morning. And it's good to be here with you two. It's good to be here too. <laughs> I feel the same way. We had a wonderful trip uh, from Southern California. Stayed five days with a DeSmet buddy of mine, Arden Wallum, and his wife, Tina. And then we scooted up all the, along the, the California and the Oregon coast for a period of time. And we stayed in wonderful places and leached on great friends and <laughs> stayed overnight they've got fed and bedded uh all along the way it was wonderful rick got to see a classmate that he hadn't seen since they graduated from med school oh my so goodness that was fun that was fun and uh, hans west what a guy and then um uh, you know we just just had some time together in the car that was mm-hmm. a wonderful part of it looking at the you know the deal. We, Gorgeous we, coast. We saw Barb Anderson and Dwayne. You know who works with us, and uh, they uh, they gave us a, a place to stay. It was wonderful. We had a wonderful time. I think that uh, nurturing those relationships is just really important. It's important for your health. It's yeah, important it's for important your mental your f- well-being. Yeah. Yes, and there's there is ample evidence that that social connection uh, is a really strong determinant of health. So Yeah, I put it right in there with physical exercise, eating less, and having those soulmates. Yep. You know, those Connectivity. Friends. Yep. Those that connection is that connection that support, that social support, those social interactions. Right just can't be overemphasized how important they are. And we had a fun time because I got to do the ra- the TV show while yeah. we were gone and that wow. was that was a blast. So Yes, I know it was. And we fun watched for you. Yes. and you did an excellent job. Why, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to mention right away that our show coming up tomorrow night on Call with the Prairie Doc uh, is coping with stress, anxiety and depression so that we can We're going to emphasize the emphasis, my dad would say, <laughs> the emphasis should be on the stress. So we'll we'll spend some time talking a lot about stress. Well, that just opens up for you radio listeners if you have any question today, but also if, if thinking about that topic, if you'd like to call in on uh, any questions on on depression, stress, and anxiety. Um, and I think we should take our first break, and then we'll be right back to discuss this. By living a healthy lifestyle, you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack. A healthy lifestyle includes the following. Eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. 
Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. This is Joni Home filling in for Joan Hogan. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you will call us with your questions at 692-1430. Um, let's go ahead, Rick and Deb, and, and uh, see what you have to say. If you want to start with that stress and anxiety, that would, or any place. I think that stress and anxiety topic is, is such an important one, and, and it's a uh, issue and the complications of that are something that I see every day in my practice and um, it's something that we all deal with some of us more successfully and some of us more easily than others Uh, and those social connections we were just talking about boy that's a valuable protection but of course it's it's not the only thing and some people have wonderful social connections and still suffer a lot from stress and anxiety and depression right 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 but <coughs> I will say that um, sometimes what we think is the bad guy might be the good guy. For example, if um, we uh, try to avoid uh, trouble at work or conflict or uh, situations with your spouse or your family or your parents or your children you know all those things that stressful time is when you get stronger Uh, I I think that the stresses of life which are real and they occur in most everybody really Mm -hmm. uh, are part of the things that make us better and and uh and so sometimes we need to see the stress roll our eyes and take it for what it's it is and move on uh stress is most useful when it motivates you to make a change um i often see people who are agonizing over a situation or they're beating themselves up about something and that guilt is useful, but only in so far as it helps you to do better the next time. Yeah. Um, it doesn't do any good to carry it around and not use that as motivation and um, make a change. Yeah, I think I think if you sit on stress and you let it get you, then you're 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 losing out on you're that out. opportunity. It's yeah. an opportunity to get better. I also think other stress management techniques are worth uh, worth mentioning. Exercise, of course, has long been one of your very favorite things to talk about, and that is an extremely helpful stress relief. Um, meditation, mindfulness, those are increasingly supported by science as being useful for managing stress and improving um, improving your brain health. So those are things to, to talk about, I, too. I would try to de-emphasize the... Uh, the negative on it uh, and uh, and to try to emphasize this makes me better that kind of a thing you know I'm going to get better so uh, there are other things as you say yeah so what uh, enamorate what Um, give me some lists of things that oh okay (laughs) well one thing that I I want to emphasize is rarely appropriate for managing stress are a class of medicines called the benzodiazepines. I I love your hate. (laughs) (laughs) It, you know, they they are medications that um, are highly addictive 
and temporarily and, only they and, only work for a short period of time yeah and i i only use them under extraordinary circumstances for very short periods as you transition them into Tra- a and actually i i try to avoid that too because they are really hard people really crave them once you do that i'll do them for things like Oh, I'm terrified of flying, and I I get on a plane twice a year or yeah. something okay, like so that. Okay, so here's one day's worth uh, of flight. Yep, stress. some medications for for extraordinary, unusual circumstances. Although although there are certainly other ways that can be very helpful to manage those kinds of situations. But sleep sleep is a big issue too. Sleep is a big issue, and they are often desired as sleeping medications, but again. It's they're just bad for you. They're, they're bad for you. Would you guys speak to to alcohol being used as a, a, for lack of better words, a treatment when people are having stress and anxiety and depression? I think that's an unhealthy um, relationship with alcohol. I have no uh, objection to people having a drink or two, but when you have that drink or two to help you cope, um, that is just a very slippery slope. So, so um, I so agree with you. I uh, I think that, um, and of course, a, a drink or two, no big deal. I think uh, you know there's some data to say it increases yep. longevity. You know that type of thing. When it's one or two drinks, not three or four or yep. five. Depending so on your your age and your gender, is as somewhat determines how much your body can handle over the long haul. So um, it is really important to pay attention to how much alcohol you're drinking, but it's also important to pay attention to the circumstances under which you're taking that drink. The and circumstances. And, and if you have a very negative reaction to the idea of not having that drink, that should also be a big clue that your relationship with alcohol is is not healthy so um having a drink once in a while to celebrate is okay so long as not having that drink doesn't make you feel like you're not celebrating what about the the what do you think the percentages are for people who are uh drinking to relieve stress i mean how many of the drinkers are drinkers for an it's a beautiful, it's been a great day, I'm going to sit down, or it's been a terrible day, and I'm going to have a drink and and uh, read my newspaper and, and we'll have supper. You know, that's, that's a really good question, and I don't have a good sense of what that's like around here. I see a definite generational difference. I see that um, a lot of my patients in kind of their 60s and above, that's kind of a cultural thing. You know, they have a cocktail every night. Um, I see kind of less routine drinking in my younger patients, Mm -hmm. Um, but my younger patients have more of a tendency to binge drink, too. So to Mm -hmm. drink large amounts of alcohol at a time. Um, So it's, you know, again, alcohol, I have absolutely no problem with people having a drink or two, but you need to think about why. Yeah, be aware of that. What do you think about what percentage of people uh, above forty are on benzos? You know, benzodiaz. That's Valium. That's uh, Ativan. Ativan. That's Clonopin. 
What um, is the what Xanax? Is the Xanax is a really tough one. What's the one that people usually use for sleep? Oh, <laughs> well, oh. I don't. So. I don't. <laughs> oh no, no, no! There, it's um, it's a uh, tamazepam. Yeah, that's it. Tamazepam. What's Tamazepam. the common yeah. name? Oh, boy, that I don't remember. Okay, I'll look yeah. it up while you guys talk. Tamazepam. Um, you know, I see a lot less of that than I used to see. Um, and, again... Because they've selected you, and you are not one to give that drug. That There is a lot of truth to that. I yeah. think our practice uh, starts reflecting our own... Beliefs. Beliefs and... and um, habits and preferences and um, people who don't like that find other doctors. <laughs> find it, that's it, you know. I used to be the guy in the clinic that would not prescribe those and I was very conservative with uh, opioids. Yes, you and have been. I, and I had that reputation so they didn't come by me. <laughs> and the other mm -hmm. people who would prescribe it, you know, they would go, oh, we've got one here. The word got out. They've People started going to them, and then they go, I'm stuck. Yep. You know, how can I, I, I have to prescribe these drugs because I've gotten them used to it. No, you can say no. Ambien. No, is that no? Yeah. Well, no, Ambien well, is in a different. Well, how about uh, Lunesta? Those no. are in different categories. No, no, no. no, no. Ambien is, is, is. But it's not a benzodiazepine. No, no, but it affects the. It, it's Tamazepam, and it affects the. It receptors. is not Tamazepam. Tamazepam is a. Uh, Ambien is. Um, we're pulling out our. our <laughs> mm, we're pulling out our computers. Um, tamazepam is a benzodiazepine, and Ambien is in a different class. But and so you think that one is a little less. Uh, um, it is still potentially addictive. Lunesta is uh, acceptable. <laughs> and Lunesta is chemically related to Ambien. <laughs> okay, well, well, so oh, that's Zolpidem. okay, folks. Let's keep going. Zolpidem is Zolpidem Ambien. Zolpidem is Ambien. Yes, and Tamazepam. As if everybody out there can't use their own phone, and I'm not seeing the Restorel. Yeah. Restorel is Tamazepam. Same, so. same deal. They are they they are active on the receptors, so you've got to be careful. And anytime you're messing with a benzo or a benzo receptor active drug, you know that it is probably more yeah. potentially S addictive than almost S any other drug. Sleep is is a big issue for people, and it's frustrating because we don't have a lot of medications to really consistently over the long term help people sleep. I'll often use a medicine called trazodone, which is classically an antidepressant medication. Very acceptable and, and good and, option. And something that I have used as a, uh, a kind of an, a helper medicine for people when they are struggling with depression um, or anxiety. Insomnia is a big part of that picture. Yes. Uh, and the trazodone can be a useful medicine for those conditions in its own right, but tends to be too sedating to manage at the full doses as a solo treatment for those conditions. But it can be very helpful for sleep. 
But the point I wanted to make is how important lifestyle issues are. Um, the non-medicinal, non-drug treatment. treatment for your sleeplessness. Well, and it's the same treatment for anxiety. And it starts with exercise. Exercise is very important partic- for sleeplessness, particularly in the, in the um, earlier part of the day, avoiding alcohol, avoiding caffeine, um, managing your sleep environment so that it's dark and cool and comfortable and quiet, not having the TV on while you sleep, not have, I'm sorry, Bob, but not having the radio on while you're trying to sleep, um, trying to manage so that you go to bed at about the same time and get up about the same time. Even if it's a weekend. Even if it's a weekend. There's all kinds of what I call sleep rules or sleep hygiene rules. Although I would counter then don't nap advice with uh, a short nap for everybody i i think it's a wonderful thing um i think for many people it can be a wonderful thing and i think that uh, an afternoon nap is one of god's greatest gifts but i'm also not someone who has trouble falling asleep at night and people who have trouble sleeping at night can find that that nap can cause problems and ah. you'll you'll know people who break every single sleep rule out there and sleep fine yes but it's something to consider if you're having trouble sleeping is considering that afternoon nap i'm going to interrupt and get to a break our discussion is, is so fun we're we're forgetting about these breaks so please continue to listen and call us with your questions at 692-1430 and we'll be right back Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Hi, thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to have you, and we'll be happy to entertain your questions, 692-1430. We've been talking about stress and sleep. Um, I don't know, Docs, if you want to continue with that. I want to say please call in so Dr. Holm and I can stay friends and not argue too much (laughs) over over naps. and and (laughs) So give us something else to argue about. Not not (laughs) much argument here. We're both, you know, the argument used to be, I I I use I prescribe Ambien all the time. I don't prescribe Ambien. There's a real argument when you're talking about sleep hygiene. Yeah. I'll embrace anything you say on that. Yeah, thing. I think um, you know you had made a comment over the break that I think is something really worth uh, worth following up on, and that's that there is a difference between people who have trouble falling asleep and treat people who have trouble staying asleep. And the medications that can help with that are different, and sometimes um, the things people need to do are different with that. Let's talk about perhaps the leading underlying cause for anxiety and sleeplessness. 
because I believe that almost all of these, maybe not all, but almost all of them are related to depression. And depression is a lurking monster that can uh, and will and has probably throughout all generation um, been been a tough enemy. It is. It is a very difficult thing. And I I do have a a handful of patients that have pure depression and a handful of patients that have pure anxiety. But honestly, in my experience, they are two sides of the same coin. And most people have a combination of the two. You know, and it's interesting, I think, in women, I hate to differentiate between men and women, and I always get a bad rep when I say that men are different than women or women are different than men. But the point is, when depression occurs in a guy, oftentimes he is angry. He doesn't present with blue, blue, I'm going to sit in my room, or I feel people are against me. He may feel people are against him, but he doesn't present that way. He presents angry. You know, he's mad at his wife. He's mad at his kids. He's mad at his workmates you know he's just mad don't you agree with that i i do see a difference in the way people present um i'll often see tired as a big source or a big clue to depression and in women um yeah i I tired is is also in men actually yes um but it's often what i see um, women in particular coming in with maybe less so now I think people are more aware of depression and more accepting of the idea that that their depression is causing some of their symptoms um, certainly than the early part of my practice when uh, people would come in with a complaint and I would have to gently guide them through the idea that they may be depressed and talk them yeah. into the idea that they may be depressed and and it is far more common now for people to just come in to talk to me and say, I think I'm depressed, um, which is a wonderful thing. I think that yeah. better awareness is And, is and it really doesn't important. help. I'm sorry. Oh, no. that's. But it doesn't help to label them, you know, either. So sometimes when a guy is in and, he's, and his wife is in with him, and she'll say, and he's angry all the time. Uh, the... Uh, uh, the the people will present differently, you know, and, and the guy, when he has to face it, you know, I'll say, I have an anger pill. It's not a depression pill. I don't, guys don't want to have depression. I think we, we um, need to stress, too, that if you as a listener or, or a friend is having depression to the point of having suicidal thoughts, that that is an emergency. And we always want you to seek care uh, through our clinic, through our hospital, or yeah. through an emergency line that please, please don't let that uh, weigh you down. It's okay to fess up. It's okay to talk about it. We want to help. You know, uh, dep- uh, suicide is part of the whole picture and uh, there's more suicide today than there's ever been and it's in South Dakota more than many other states do you have yes. different statistics Deb I'm thinking that that we're, it, I'm pretty I, correct on I that. don't know where we are in terms of state rankings but it is certainly a public health crisis 
and if you go on the reservation, it's double. We have sixty percent more more suicide in the in the uh, in the native Indi- population. Yes, we do. Yeah, and so I mean, if if uh, if a hundred percent is double, sixty percent is getting close to double. Let's uh, take our last break, and then we'll come back and and discuss any question that you would like to call in, 692-1430. Thank you for listening. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. For children aged 2 to 5, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Hello, thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. This is Joni Holm filling in for Joan Hogan, and we have Dr. Holm and Dr. Johnston. Um, let's start with a question here. Uh, a caller says they fell on Monday and now their shoulder is painful. I have tried both heat and cold, but wonder what would be the best treatment for a painful shoulder. One thing that I would uh, suggest to this person, particularly if they find that they have any weakness or any trouble with motion with their shoulder, uh, is to go in and get that checked out um, because there's the things sh- that need to be th- done. There are things that you know, torn ligaments and torn tendons and rotator cuff injuries. The shoulder is a pretty fragile joint sometimes, so um, don't be afraid to go in and and get that checked out. Um, it the longer you wait after an injury to rehab that injury, the longer the rehab takes. And sometimes you know a simple little procedure can fix this problem that uh, is going to not go away. Yeah. And it's so that's important that you follow up on that, that. That you do. Now, if you find, oh, it's just sore and I can move it well and I don't notice any, any weakness, if there's no reason for you not to take ibuprofen, you can take some ibuprofen. You can as take long some as you Tylenol. don't have ulcers and stomach trouble. There are a lot of reasons that you should be careful with ibuprofen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I love ibuprofen. It's a wonderful drug, but it has so many potential toxicities, toxicities, both with your stomach and your kidneys and potentially your heart. Um, so especially if you are older, uh, you should talk with your doctor about, is it safe for me to take ibuprofen? Is yeah. it safe for me to take ibuprofen regularly? Is it safe for me to take ibuprofen occasionally? But even young people, we we have to be careful. Do you only have one kidney? If you only have one kidney, you shouldn't be yeah. taking ibuprofen. I, I need to say that I, can't, I don't take ibuprofen because of uh, the uh, advice. I'm taking a... a, a, a a proton pump inhibitor because of the pancreatic enzyme tablets that I'm taking from the pancreas. So the, the, there are some people you just need to avoid. I wanted to say that the shoulder, the, uh, th- there are two other messages on the shoulder fall. 
One message is, uh-oh, you're falling. You, you've got to be very careful. You find a one fall, and they're starting to ask that at the hospitals and clinics when you mm -hmm. check in because it's such a, a harbinger of uh, death, actually, and... and and decline um, and, and decline and, and, yep. and you know it's not a good thing to mess yep. with so be careful about that if you're falling get uh, talk to your doctor about it make go through what ha what happened why it happened if there's th loose rugs or poor lighting in your house that needs to be fixed if you know uh, get yeah. a one thing that we've uh, started doing is when we travel we carry a nightlight and we put it in the bathroom because boy you're in an unfamiliar environment and you need to find your way so there's a little tip night, for all of you night light in your hotel room is a uh -huh. good idea or in your home of course yeah the, the second part of that is that uh, I, as long as we were talking about crime, uh, you know, depression, anxiety, <laughs> I we thought, can pull it all back I to thought, that. <laughs> I thought, well, shoulder pain, you know, a lot of depression or a lot of anxiety presents as pain. They don't want to mm -hmm. talk about. I'm anxious. I'm I'm, I'm stressed out. I'm in emotional pain, I, I, and it it can be manifested as physical pain. Uh, it You're, really can. Low back really, pain, really and headaches. Uh, uh, not to say that all of those are manifested because of depression. I mean, they're real. There's no question about the shoulder pain is a real pain. I oh, mean, I, well, I, depression pain is a real pain. It's too. a real pain, but it's an emotional pain that has yes. harder to treat, won't go away as easily. Okay, well, we are winding up here. We have a couple more minutes, but let's uh, let's do our closing before we get back to other questions. Um, we thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio. If you'd like to hear more from Dr. Holm, you can go online at prairiedoc.org. And, of course, the uh, Prairie Doc, On Call with the Prairie Doc, is Thursday nights at 7 p.m. on public TV, and we will be live this week talking about stress and anxiety. And we have some great guests, and uh, we want to say particularly hello to uh, our our friends that are now in Florida. So <laughs> <laughs> for listening, because she almost always listens. Hi, and Joan. So, <laughs> Joan Hogan, thank you for helping us through all these years of this tele this radio show. So, that's it. And your normal closing? Stay healthy out there, people.